This is Wait a Week Mystery. Hi there. I'm your host, author J.C. Bodden, and I've been sharing with you chapters from my novel, Someone to Watch Over Me. The idea behind this podcast is that I read to you a chapter a week, but I realize that some of you might get a little impatient and not be able to wait a week. So you could pop on over to my website, that's jcbodden.com, J-C-B-O-D-D-E-N, Dot com for more information as well as the link to my Amazon page where you could order the book in either Kindle or paperback format. And there's three other books that are available as well. They're all part of the Devil and O'Quinn mystery series. Um, at any rate, let's go on with our next chapter. Someone to Watch Over Me. Chapter 13. Stories. Jenny's Story. Sunday dinner with Tilly and Mickey was a relief. Apparently, Aunt Tilly had given both Uncle Mickey and Dad strict instructions not to upset the children, so talk of the attack was off-limits. Instead, Mickey entertained us with stories of being a cook during his stint in the Navy. After the meal ended and the table was cleared, I found myself alone with Tilly in the kitchen. Honey, your daddy told us about what happened last night. Are you okay? Yeah, Aunt Tilly... My phone didn't survive, but I have insurance on it, and I'm fine, really. And Travis and Joe were both there to help. Yes, they were. It was great to see Travis. It made me feel so much better. So did Joe, but for some reason I didn't say that. There was a knock at the kitchen door. Well, speaking of Travis, look who's here, Tilly exclaimed as she threw back the door. How are you? Oh my goodness, Joe too? Get in here, you two. Gosh, it's good to see y'all. She grabbed them both and practically knocked them down as she hugged them. Hey, Mama Tilly, Joe said. Joe, get in here and let me get a good look at you. Too busy with that new job on campus to come and see me? Wait till Papa Mickey sees y'all. Tilly stood back and put her hands on her hips. Hmm, you both look a little skinny. Joe blushed and looked at the floor. Mama Tilly, Mrs. McDowell cooks breakfast for me every morning, and there's three cafeterias on campus. And you know the guys at the fire station are great cooks, Tilly, Travis put in. You can't have a fat fireman. I wouldn't be able to do my job. Well, Tilly huffed, I'm sure that cafeteria and fire station food is okay, but I can give y'all a home-cooked meal. She smiled and patted her apron. Let me tell Mickey y'all are here. I'll be right back. She winked at me as she pushed open the swingy door to the dining room. Hey, Joe. Hey, Travis, I said. Hey, the two answered in unison. Aunt Tilly's really glad to see you. Yeah, they answered in unison again. Uncle Mickey will be too. Yeah, I guess so, Travis replied. You missed dinner, though. There was an awkward silence, and then the dining room door swung open. Travis, Joe, bellowed Mickey. Good to see you, boys. He clapped Joe on the back and shook Travis's hand. Thanks, Joe grinned. How are you doing, Mickey? Travis asked. Good, good. Tilly, you got some leftovers for these youngsters? They look a little skinny. Y'all come in. Tilly made a pot roast. Mickey ushered the two men through the door to the dining room. I hope it's all right that I invited Joe, Aunt Tilly, I said. Tilly was scooping mashed potatoes back out of the Tupperware, loading plates for Travis and Joe, but paused in mid-scoop to look at me. I could feel myself blush, though I didn't know the reason for it. Of course it's okay, sweetie. Joe's always welcome in this house. 
Tilly stuck one of the plates in the microwave and then thrust a pitcher into my hand. You take in some sweet tea. There's glasses in the dining room sideboard. I'll be in as soon as I warm their food. In the dining room, Dad and Uncle Millie were sitting across the table from Joe and Travis, who were flanked on either side by two of the younger foster children. I grabbed two glasses and poured for both of them. Tilly brought in their plates of food and Dad cleared his throat. I want to say thank you, Joe, and you too, Travis. Joe glanced at me and straightened slightly. You're welcome, sir. Just doing my job, Travis said. Glad I ran into Joe, though. Haven't seen him in a long time. The two of you were such good friends, Tilly said. It's good to see you all back together again. Yes, ma'am, it's good to be together again, Travis said as he smiled at Joe. I guess we kind of lost touch for a while, didn't we, man? Joe nodded. It seems like just yesterday that we were living here together. Listen, boys, Uncle Mickey said. The two of you need to keep up your friendship. Good friends should be for light. Right, Devlin? You should know, man, Dad said. Tilly laughed and looked at me. Did your father ever tell you about the three months that he and Mickey were not best friends? No, I thought the two of you had been friends ever since elementary school. I looked from Dad to Uncle Mickey and back. Come on, one of you has got to tell this story. You want to tell it or should I? Dad asked. Mickey put his hands up in the air. You brought it up, you tell it. Dad pushed his chair back from the table as he settled in. Three-year-old James, who had been sitting beside Travis, slid off his chair and climbed into his lap, popping his thumb firmly in his mouth. Dad absentmindedly stroked the top of the boy's head as he began. Mickey and I were friends, best friends, ever since we were in first grade together. We were always a little... Dad paused and looked at James and Hannah, the other youngsters sitting at the table. Rambunctious, I guess is a good word. We were pretty much always getting into trouble. Except I was the one getting into trouble because your daddy was the smart and sneaky one. I was just following his lead, Mickey interrupted. Who's telling this story? Dad elbowed Mickey and then turned his attention back to us. One time our teacher, Mrs. Cross, caught us trying to look up the girls' skirts on the playground when they were on the monkey bars. Your father's idea, Jenny, Mickey said with a wink. She caught Mickey, but she knew I was involved too, so she sent me to cut, cut the switch for him. And she told me I'd better get a good one, one with plenty of snap or I would just have to go back for another. I cried all the way across the playground and back. I didn't cry a lick just to show how tough I was, Mickey laughed. Anyway, let's just say that we were inseparable, even if we did get in a lot of trouble, until 10th grade. Dad stopped and looked at Mickey. What happened in 10th grade? I prompted. Dad smiled slightly. That's when I saw your mother for the first time. My mouth fell open, but Dad didn't notice. Mickey and I were on the football team. It was, mm, I think, our first varsity game, even though neither one of us had been in yet. We were excited, you know. So there we were, on the sidelines, and it's getting close to halftime, and the band from the other school was lining up behind the bench. And that's when I saw her. She was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. She was smiling and whispering to some other band kids standing beside her, and that was it. I was a goner. He told me after the game that he had seen the girl he was going to marry, said Mickey with a smile. I just laughed at him. I didn't really believe him, you know. I mean, what 15-year-old believes in love at first sight? 
I had finally gotten my wits about me. So that's why you weren't friends with him? Just because he laughed at you? I asked. Dad smiled briefly at me, but I wasn't sure he really saw me. His eyes were still in the past. No, that's not it. I told him about this beautiful girl I had seen in the band from the other school. I couldn't stop talking about her. I went on and on for days, told him all my plans for how I was going to meet her and date her and all that, and then, and then he sees me with her, the girl of his dreams, two weeks later at our homecoming dance, Mickey finished. I was so mad, betrayed by my best friend, I didn't speak to him for three months. He wouldn't tell me why, just didn't come right out and say, hey, you stole the girl I was going to marry, you idiot. He nudged Dad's arm. I thought he was having a mental breakdown or something. Meanwhile, I was going out with this girl and really falling for her pretty hard, I should add. He smiled across the table at Tilly. Like I said, I was 15, and I was spending my time thinking about her and not too much time thinking about Devlin, and I certainly didn't realize that he thought I had stolen his dream girl. So what happened? How did you sort it all out? Well, my girl had a sister, see? Mickey continued, and the winter formal was coming up, and she wanted me to fix up her sister. So I asked your dad to ask her. And you did? I looked at my father, but his eyes were soft, still remembering. Yeah, he told me it would be fun. I was still pretty mad at him, and I secretly thought it might be a good time to get some revenge. You know, steal the girl, sabotage the date, or something like that. I didn't know exactly what I was thinking. And obviously you did. Steal the girl, I mean, Travis said. Now Dad's face changed and he was back in the present. No, no, I didn't have to. But let's just say it was a very eye-opening experience. Travis looked confused. Why is that? Well, when we went to the house to pick up our dates, Mickey's girl was Tilly. Oh my God, I laughed. What, Travis said, still confused. I don't get it. Tilly's sister was Tess, who's Jenny's mother. They were identical twins, Joe reminded Travis. He leaned toward Dad. Tilly wasn't in the band, just Tess. That's right. Tilly was a cheerleader. Tess was in the band. She played the flute. My mother knew their mother from work and introduced us, Millie interjected. I knew that Tilly had a twin sister, of course, but it never dawned on me that the girl Devlin had been talking about could have been Tess. I'm not even sure I knew she was in the band. So the girl I had fallen in love with was Tess all along, not Tilly. But I thought that Mickey had stolen her when I saw him with Tilly at the homecoming dance. That's how much alike they looked. And that was nearly the end of our friendship. Dad grinned at Mickey and thumped him on the back. The most beautiful women on the planet, one for each of us, Mickey smiled. Tilly stood up and walked around behind the two wrapped her arms around their necks and kissed each on the top of the head. And that's the story of how Mickey came to believe in love at first sight, she said with a smile. Just then, three-year-old Hannah, who had been sitting beside Joe, scooted off her chair while still holding on to the placemat under her plate. Everything on the mat slid toward her with a loud clatter. Joe managed to catch the dish, but his glass tipped over and splashed tea and ice all over the table, chair, floor, and Hannah. Everyone jumped up to mop up the damage. The poor child howled, more in embarrassment than anything, until he stepped into the kitchen for towels and sponges. I scooped up Hannah, grateful for the interruption. I didn't want anyone to notice my tears.
Shh, there, it's okay. Joe doesn't mind. Mama Tilly will get him some more tea. The child hiccuped and wiped her face with the back of her hand. I'll take you upstairs for a change of clothes, and we'll have to do something about this hair, too. On the wall up the staircase was Tilly's photo gallery of all the children that had come and gone through their home over the years. I stopped short when I saw little Joey's picture. He was standing beside Travis, both boys with their hands behind their backs. Both had on striped t-shirts, shorts, and ragged sneakers. Joey was about four inches taller than Travis, but he was so skinny that I decided they weighed about the same. Travis was grinning widely at the camera, showing off a missing front tooth, but Joey was very solemn, his expressive blue eyes hauntingly wide. Hannah patted my shoulder questioningly. Look, Hannah, here's a picture of Joe and Travis when they were little boys. Hannah leaned over to look. He's sad, she asked, pointing at Joey. I guess he was, Hannah. He's sad now? No, not now. He's all right now. Me wet. Yeah, you are. Let's get you fixed up. I went up the stairs and changed Hannah's clothes, but I couldn't get the image of young Joey out of my mind, and it occurred to me that not only was Joe all right, but maybe, just maybe, Dad was too. Joe's Story it was trial day for his mother's killer. The child had been subpoenaed to testify, and he sat on the hard courtroom bench between his father and his stepmother. He watched solemnly as the jury was struck, the new shoes pinching his feet and the tag in the back of his shirt poking his neck. When the trial began, the boy was the first witness. He walked past the defendant, sitting with his lawyer, keeping his eyes carefully on his feet. After he had been sworn in, he settled in the big chair. The district attorney stood in front of him and smiled. Then he looked at the judge. Your Honor, I want to inform the court that this witness is deaf and needs to be able to see your face in order to read your lips and know what you're saying. Is that true, son? The judge asked Joey, who was still looking at the district attorney. The judge leaned forward and got the child's attention. Young man, can you read lips? Yes, sir. Okay, he said to the prosecutor with a nod. You may continue. Joey, you know how to tell the truth, don't you? Yes, sir. I'm sorry, son, but you'll have to talk just a little louder, okay? Everyone needs to be able to hear you, not just the, me and the judge. Joey nodded. Now, I want you to tell me about this man, he gestured at the defendant. This man was your mother's boyfriend? Yes, sir. When was that? Do you remember? It was the summer after kindergarten. Okay, so far so good, Joey. The attorney turned to the judge and said, Let the record show that Joey is in seventh grade this year, so the time in question would have been six years ago. He turned back to the witness stand. Now, I know it's hard, Joey, but during that summer, when they were boyfriend and girlfriend, did you ever see this man hurt your mom? Joey nodded his head solemnly. I'm sorry, son, but you've got to say your answers. Yes, sir. So you've seen this man hurt your mom? Yes, sir. Did he ever hit her? Yes, sir. Anything else? One time, Joey looked up at the judge, who smiled gently. One time he broke a beer bottle and swung the broken neck around and tried to cut her. Your mom and this man, they drank beer? Oh, yeah, he nodded, his eyes wide. They drank a lot of beer. What would happen when they drank beer? They would get drunk. 
A member of the jury laughed nervously at the simple answer from the boy. The judge banged his gavel and glared at the jury box. I will remind the members of the jury that this is a serious procedure, with the defendant on trial for the murder of this young man's mother, he growled. Let's treat this with the level of decorum it deserves. He looked back at the prosecutor and waved his hand for him to continue. And when they got drunk, what would happen? Well, there was usually some yelling and stuff. Anything else? Um, when they fought was when he would hit her. Did he ever hit you? Joey ducked his head. The entire courtroom seemed to be holding its breath. He looked up and squinted. No, sir. I would usually hide. He tried to hit me one time, but my mom didn't let him, and he hit her instead. I'm sorry about that, Joey. I know this is hard for you to talk about. We've got just a few more questions, okay? The boy nodded, and the prosecutor continued. And then the man stopped coming around. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. Did you know why? No, sir. Your mom didn't tell you it was because he went to jail? No, sir. Okay, son, you're doing great. Now I want to talk about what happened the morning your mom was killed, okay? Okay. How old were you then? It was last year. I was in sixth grade. You saw this man that day? Yes, sir. I saw him going up the stairs. He was going up the stairs to your apartment? Yes, sir. What were you doing? I was going to school. Anything else you can tell us about him? How did he seem that day? He was drunk. The de defense attorney stood. Objection, Your Honor. He sounded bored. Grounds? The child has no basis for his assertion that my client was drunk, Your Honor. The prosecutor interjected. Your Honor, the witness has testified that he had seen the defendant drunk before. He knew what the signs were. He was qualified to make that judgment. Overruled, the judge said. Okay, Joey, we're almost finished. After you saw him go up the stairs to your apartment, then what happened? My mom opened the door and let him in. No more questions, Your Honor. Joey started to get up from his chair, and the judge leaned over to get his attention. Remember, Joey, the other lawyer gets to ask you some questions now, he said kindly. Joey slid back in his chair and looked warily at the defense attorney. Okay, son, I'll make this quick. Tell me about when your mom opened the door and let my client, this man, in. Did he have to bang on the door? No, sir. He just knocked? Yes, sir. And she just opened the door? Yes, sir. Anything else? Joey looked from the lawyer to the man sitting at the table. Tears welled up in his eyes and he swiped at them angrily with the back of his hand. It took him a minute to be able to spit out the words. She kissed him. That concludes this week's chapter of Someone to Watch Over Me. Thanks a lot for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for the next episode of Wait a Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one.